This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Hello, hello everybody. Um, good evening and welcome to Beyond Governance. My name is Nimrod Mbele. Um, welcome to the show that really seeks to pierce through the veil of ignorance and unpack issues that are quite critical. We seek to inform you on topical issues and ask questions. What does it mean from a governance and leadership point of view? Once again, it is good to be in your company on this glorious Tuesday evening. Um, if you missed our conversation last week, don't worry. Simply go to www.highfm.com and, and, and under uh, Beyond Governance, download the podcast. Um, as always, I welcome your thoughts and your views. Uh, please weigh in tonight. Our SM line is 34519. The Twitter handle is at high. Um, and and uh, before getting anywhere, um, I just want to appreciate my colleagues, Howard, uh, Helton, Sasha, and of course the man that is sitting next to me here, Vusi. Um, you know, making sure that everything goes well. I see he's literally blowing the air with his fist. Uh, you're welcome to do that, but And of course, tonight I'm not flying solo. I'm with uh, Justice Ndaba, who is the uh, regular contributor to our show. Uh, what are we talking about tonight? We're talking, it's, you know, we're literally going through some of the conversation we've had uh, for, the couple of, for the past couple of weeks. Um, around issues of, of governance. Uh, what have you seen over, a couple of the, over the past couple of days? We've seen how the, the new SAB board um, have finally decided to put its foot down by founding uh, the former SL, um, SABC uh, COO, Mr. Matoning, um, uh, guilty of bringing, the, um, of bringing the entity into disrepute. And SABC has paid 700 million rands on broadcasting Gupta-owned newspaper, The New Age, Breakfast Briefings. Uh, and and we are told that there's not much value which has been derived from that. Um, the follow-up is that the interim board led by Kanyisile um, uh, Kwenyama, I beg your pardon, indicated that the former SABC CEO had completed, um, completely disregarded his employment contract, um, as that obviously was, was given as a basis for uh, his dismissal. Um, yesterday we have also learned uh, from the governance uh, landscape that Benengovane, the chairperson of ESCOM has also resigned amidst, amidst um, uh, turmoil uh, and probes into financial dealings uh, weeks after the, the, the former um, uh, CEO, um, CEO, Mr. Mlefe, uh, also resigned. So this is quite interesting because um, as part of painting a picture, there's this very gloomy picture, which the narrative that I've pointed out to. But uh, we, we are quite happy tonight to hear that all is not doom and gloom. Uh, for we are joined by um, the, the 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 editor of Financial Mail, deputy editor of Financial Mail, Sikonati uh, Machancha, uh, um, who will give us a view. Uh, before we get to that, let me welcome. Because I believe he's online. Good evening, sir, and welcome to Beyond Governance. Hi, thank you, sir. How are you, my brother? I am well. Well, well, I'll try and amplify my brother. Uh, look, I was, um, you know, I was initially trying to paint a picture as to the kind of colossal of corporate governance scandals that we've seen in other entities. Uh, but I was saying I was intrigued by the article that you wrote, um, um, I think a day or two ago, wherein you, 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 you suggested um, telecom has become a beacon of, of light uh, in the wilderness of, of corporate governance. Um, in, in your view, I mean, um, you almost pontificate that uh, the non-government interference is, is behind the success of, of telecom. Can you take us through that? Uh, Nimrod, uh, 
psychologist. Can you just hold on a second? I think the line is terrible. We'll try and get back to you in a second uh, on, on a clearer line because I think you're raising uh, fascinating or rather important points and we, I don't want our listeners to be lost. Uh, while we're trying to get hold of you, um, I'll, I'll get back to, to you in a shortly. Um, let me bring in Justice Ndaba here. Good mm. evening, Chief. How are you? Um, I'm well, uh, Doc. How are you? Great stuff, man. Yeah. Before we got cut off um, or on that little bad line with, with uh, uh, Sikonati there, um, I was trying to really get a sense that um, there's this almost euphoria at the at, at the at the at the or when you look at um, mm. telcom, mm. and and we all agree that it is a beacon of of, of hope, um, and 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 the question is he had literally pointed out that um, in his view why telcom has become such a a case study or almost like a blueprint of where SOEs need to go towards. Mm. Um, and he says um, there's been less government interference. Yeah. To what extent do you think that argument holds? Because for me, there are other variables that goes in, but your take. Well, Doc, thank you very much. I think uh, we started on this last uh, time I was here. We spoke a little bit about it. I think um, for me what happened is that the there's a mixture of two things, really. Um, one is when the chairperson was appointed, uh, Mr. Mabuza, one of his conditions was, um, you want me to turn around this? Um, my minimum condition would be that you do not interfere at least for the next three, four years, while, while, which is the time that it will take us to turn around this place. So once he secured that, um, you know, he... he he, he he got um a level of of independence in a way of of managing um so that assisted but the other thing that maybe um also swayed in the government's favor was that there's a mixture of shareholding because um in terms of the shareholding structure government is the majority shareholder but there's a mixture of private as well uh, of, of of private shareholders so I don't know whether that hybrid assisted in a way in the sense that you have a mixture of, of, of for instance, you still have uh, government through PIC, yes, but you still have uh, the private entities, international um, shareholding in telecom, which also assist because they have a seat on the board and therefore in itself is, uh, it assists in, in, in upholding uh, uh, the level of transparency. Because you have different shareholders. Okay, thanks. Thanks for that uh, input, uh, Justice. Um, I believe um, Skonati is back online. Uh, welcome, board. Can you? Okay. Um, look, the the issue that I was raising, based on article that you wrote, was that that you almost um, argued that the reason why Telcom was this successful, uh, almost to, to a point where we can allude, we can make it a, a reference point um, around the SOE, was that of um, that there was less government inter- in, in interference in operations. Um, can you take us through that? Yes, absolutely. There's less government interference in the operation. Uh, and, and I was painting the picture that uh, back in 2013, uh, the, the company was a, uh, was a haven uh, of corruption uh, facilitated by the government through the communications ministry at the time. Uh, but uh, more importantly, it is subject to the uh, to the corporate rules of listed companies on the JSE, and we have in that company in that company the majority of shareholders. Yeah, these are the, the, the people who 
own the other 48% of the company in the in private end, that demand a return for their investment. Now, the discipline uh, uh, is actually affected by the fact that the government is now uh, unable or, or at least not interfering in the company has, has really helped uh, Telcom turn around and, and we see an example of what the other companies can be. Uh, I'm afraid the line keeps on disappointing us, my brother. Unfortunately, it, it is barely available on our side. Um, if you don't mind, we can try it again. Um, let Wild well, Vosi we'll um, um, try to hook you up back online. Uh, perhaps maybe we can find a better line because the issues that you're raising are quite important indeed. Uh, while we get Vosi to do that, let me bring in justice here. Um, and the issue that you raised earlier is that of hybrid model, uh, which which potentially suggests that by virtue of having other role players, uh, the balancing of power was not so much on the state side, but was on on the collective. Absolutely, um, I think the mixture. I, I think there's another key point that um, we forgot to mention that the you know with within the hybrid, you had direct uh, shareholders who put in money. Um, and, and, and hence, with that, it meant that, you know, they, 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 they had to protect their investment. Therefore, one way of doing that is to ensure that you have absolute transparency, you know, in the manner in which, um, the, 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 the issues were run, especially on the governance side. So you had total accountability. Uh, in many ways, because you had private investors, people who put their money directly. And as a result, in a way, government hands were forced in a way. I guess they could, in any other way, they could push through anything else with through their majority. But even that had to be done in, a, in an effective governance model system. So in many ways, things were in, in telecom's favor from that point of view, in the sense that whatever it is that they were Doing, they had to make sure that everybody's role was well defined, um, you know, and and in, that in itself assisted them. But how uh, how is it different, um, Justice? Because when you look at the protocol in in the public space in terms of um, who reports to who and what are the expectations, right from the minister, uh, well, administrating from the DG to the board, the chairperson of the board, and from the minister, minister to the CEO, those kinds of lines are pretty much well defined um, surely that can't be an argument from where I'm sitting because um, protocols of government are protocols um, uh, delegation of, or delegation of responsibility are simply that the board is there to over, provide oversight and yet um, the kind of uh, uh, issues that we're seeing in most of the state-owned entities um, we, we, we have not been seeing them at ESCOM um, telcom. I'm, I'm sorry, at, at telcom. Mm. So, so, so for me, it, it's actually bigger than that. And 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 I'll probably just you know uh, give um, um, Eric who have just joined us. Uh, um, um, let me put you on a spot, um, Eric. Yes. Good evening and welcome. Hi, how are you, Justice? How are you, uh, Nim? Nim. Yeah, <laughs> Nim and Justice. Yeah, and and I heard Sikonati in the car on the way here. Yes, unfortunately, the yeah. line just keeps yeah. um, no, messing sure. up, uh, which, which, I, is, which I is, caught, is quite tricky. I caught one or two words. Uh, if I can just pitch in here, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm taking the 
sort of the space no, no, away from him. Yeah. I, I actually did some homework here. The, the, the shareholding structure is as follows. Mm. Uh, private institutional yeah. shareholding, 51%. Absolutely. So control is in the hands of the private sector. Mm. Uh, government has 39%. Uh, there's another analysis, by the way, which is uh, how many come from uh, uh, international. Um, and uh, I think 45% are from the United States, interestingly enough, and only 41% South Africa. So what you've got here is a listed public company mm. on the stock exchange. The fact that government is a shareholder um, is is just to their benefit in terms of picking up profit and, and, uh, and dividends, uh, but the business model is is business. you know. And they brought in, I don't think we've spoken yet, uh, uh, what's his name again? Sipo, the, the CEO? Maseko. Maseko, yeah. I'm not sure of his background, but I think that was also crucial. You had a very effective mm. Jabu Mabuza as the chairperson, mm. and then Sipo as the, uh, you know, an effective proven player. Uh, I'm not sure where he was previously, if he was at Vodacom. At Vodacom. At Vodacom, yeah. So, so there you go. So that's a model. The question for me, you know, and the rest of this discussion is, how can we um, actually uh, replicate this, apply this beyond? Um, and I, I wanted to make two points along that level, which which we can maybe pick up in later discussion. Yeah. SABC. Yeah. Maybe maybe course, before, yeah. maybe if we get there to that point, yeah, um, sure. Eric, which which is I think it is quite useful. Let's take a break. We'll come back in a second. Yeah. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Welcome back. It is now 21 after 6 and we are having a conversation around um, different business model based on the, 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 the experience that we've just seen coming through. Uh, telecom, you know, is making very good business sense. Mm. And, and the question is, how do we get to a point where we are able to duplicate um, the, this kind of uh, business model, um, um, as it were? Because um, clearly... If you have that kind of a business model where uh, it's almost like a hybrid, we have different role players and the state doesn't have a majority shareholding, um, that begins to maybe change the balances of power in that you can't have a, because if it's business uh, enterprises making investment, uh, everybody is expecting the returns. So, so, so perhaps maybe, I don't know what does it mean, because that only is beginning to give us a sense of um, other state-owned entities, uh, irrespective of the major, of of the the, the 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 nature of shareholder model, but but this is something to work with. Yeah. Uh, one point, sorry, just to, so I just wanted to add um, that I overheard Sikonati say, uh, uh, and I asked you on the phone today, how much, what percent the pub, the PRC, mm. the Public Investment Commissioner, uh, owns, and I heard him say twelve percent. So if you look at the shareholding structure, 51% is institutional. That includes, I would imagine, the PRC is 12%. So what you got here is actually private 39, Mm -hmm. government 39, and the PRC, the remaining 12. Mm. So whose side is the PRC on? Being an institution with pension funds, Mm -hmm. it's, it's private sector. Being government pension funds, it's partly government. So, in a way, hats off to uh, the PRC for for sticking to 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 the business, uh, uh, you know, principal model 
of how you run the thing. In, in, in fact, the, 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 the control could be seen to be on both sides. Mm. The biggest question going forward in this discussion for all of these state-owned entities is will the, the, the political interference stand back mm. and, and the, the corruption state capture element because there, there's such a powerful, you know, motivation on government's part, A, to use SOEs as, as, as development instruments and instruments of government policy, and then from a state capture point of view, to get access to hundreds of billions of, of contracts. Yeah. You know? can, I, can I play devil's advocate? Yes. Justice, I want you to come in here. Mm. Um, principally, there isn't anything wrong by state, uh, by, by government playing a role uh, in the in the affairs of any entity, because by virtue of of of, of being a shareholder, you ordinarily expect government to have a role. Mm. So the question is, um, is there anything wrong at the principal level? Because when you're saying, when you look at the continuum of of um, uh, 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 engagement, at one level you have interference, which is almost like at the, at the, at the, at the worst side, and involvement. Um, at at what point you get to because I, I don't subscribe entirely to the philosophy which suggests that uh, interference uh, um, uh, uh, or role of state is wrong because there has to be a, a role in, in, from a developmental point of view. The sitting um, direction which, which it needs to be there. So I want to get that point, mm. you know, uh, because how I've read um, his article, almost pontificating, giving an official declaration that government out, you know, no. is that a norm or? Yeah, I, I think um, perhaps my colleague here, the elephant in the room is interference, mm. right? Uh, there is not, certainly there is nothing wrong with state coming in, but there needs to be rules and regulations. In my experience, um, in state entities, most of the entities at the beginning of the financial year, we sign a shareholder compact uh, with the shareholder, which is the minister on behalf of the state. But, um, the, therefore, and the shareholder compact qualifies as a governance tool, you know, which determines this is how we're going to measure you on, these are your deliverables, and so on and so forth. But what then happens is that we don't keep up to that contract. Mm -hmm. So in between, when we had agreed that the shareholder would come in, which would be maybe twice a year or something like that, but you find that in your course of operation, in your course of your executive delivery, there's constant coming in, totally undermining the, the shareholder compact issue. So that is where it is. So in, in effect, you have many of these tools that you would put in place that are governance tools that you had signed off, but you do not, many of the executives in state institutions complain that they, they are not given space mm -hmm. to operate and to, 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 to exercise their professional qualifications, you know. So what then happens is that that becomes a problem because you are an executive, you are an exco, you are a board, but between the time that you are operating, the shareholder consistently comes to you and wants to make uh, certain decisions or influence certain decisions on your behalf. Okay. That is the point. Okay, um, I'm Eric. I think let, let's 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 distinguish between state capture, 
which has happened in most of our state-owned companies. And in this particular case, Telcom, if, if it could even be considered partly state-owned, has managed to, we think, escape state capture. So there's, there's, there's a distinction between what I think you would like to see, which <laughs> is some kind of uh, developmental role of state-owned companies and state capture. So if we can say, how do you get rid of state capture, which has been endemic right now in, in the last several years? That's, that's precisely my, the point, <coughs> because, because yeah. we, we, we acknowledge the fact that um, the, 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 the SOEs um, play such a pivotal role in in, in, in an environment where ordinarily private sector can't because of the risk inherent in some investment. But we've got to get to a point where those risks are eliminated. But unfortunately, the kind of stuff that we've seen from the state capture point of view undermines uh, that developmental role because the, 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 the benefit aren't necessarily towards everybody. They are narrowly defined. Okay, so so in the case, and I heard Sikonati also talking a little bit, uh, about the role of, of institutions, uh, namely, you know, your coronation unit trusts, your Ellen uh, uh, Gray, your Liberty Life, your Old Mutual, who are institutional sh- shareholders and sit on the board. Now, they don't take nonsense. There's a performance ethic Corporate governance principles are applied in practice. There's no compromise. So if you do not have a private element, you've got this always, this Achilles heel of a weakness that somebody's political agenda and family friends will want a share of the contracts and you'll push political and non-business performance criteria. Let's just take two current today examples. Of some encouraging sound, which maybe gives us some light on your model, where you can get rid of state capture, that cancer, and still maintain a government influence. Mm-hmm. Take SABC in, in terms of the fact that Schlaudi has been dismissed. There's a new board, and there's a new scenario there. How, how promising is that? Secondly, I don't, I don't really understand the reasons why Ben and Gabani resigned today uh, uh, one can you know imagine I, I think the OTA have taken him have, have, have laid a charge of fraud against him for a 50 million rand loan that he has not repaid to another state owned uh, company which is Itala so I'm wondering if there may be some light at the end of the tunnel where there may be government by inde- appointing strong independent board members, a strong CEO, mm-hmm. a, a strong chair, and, 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 and the public being involved and, 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 and part, kind of being able to, through transparency, to, 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 ha- to exercise accountability, and of course the role of parliament. Absolutely. Yeah. And the media. Yeah. Look, I, I mean, the, from my point of view, um, I think it's a fallacy to suggest that if it is private, it is good, you know, uh, in a way, because there are certainly models of state. Singapore, uh, for example. Yeah, I mean, it, where 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 you have a performance culture, you have accountabilities, you have all of these structures. In fact, in many of the current SOCs, many of uh, board members that have been there before have been very have been very strong. 
uh, capable individuals. Okay, but the point has been, which um, in you know coming back to the case in point of telecom, the point has been for the failure of all of these SOCs has been that despite you putting together a total governance framework, those tools are totally ignored. Therefore, uh, while you are trying to exercise your fiduciary duties as a board, your duties are totally undermined Mm. by the shareholder or people claiming to represent the shareholder. In like this the, instance, I like you see, the, I like the the, the 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 other part. People claiming to represent the shareholder, yes. because one of the biggest issue um, that confronts leadership at SOE level, it is almost like parallel uh, reporting system. Mm. You've got a formal reporting system mm-hmm. uh, in the form of the protocols, uh, due diligence, and so on and so forth. But you also have an informal mm. uh, reporting structure. Um, these are people that you get a call as a listen, so on and so on, needs Absolutely. to have a word with you, um, and are you available? Absolutely. And, 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 and so most people find themselves in a compromised position because mm. we have a parallel process. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we don't have uh, those rigorous uh, uh, governance framework. They are, the board, there. Ch- they are there. Yeah. They, they are there. They simply then being undermined. And I think one of the issues that you guys can get share light with is that of a culture of, of impunity. Uh, because I would imagine if we've had a very good traction of discipline in terms of those who were found wanting, there'll be less and less of abuse. I think the, the, the two points I'd like to make here, Numero, uh, um, one is if you take Brian Molefi at Telcom, at Transnet, uh, look at Transnet, the turnaround of Transnet. Maria Ramos came in from government. What was she? She had been the Director General of the Treasury, which is one department which is held out to be a bastion mm. of good governance, okay, within government. She then went to, to Transnet. She achieved something of a turnaround in Transnet's fortunes, stabilized it before she got the job at APSA. Who came in was Brian Molefe. Brian Molefi had, be, before that, I think, if I'm not mistaken, also been at Treasury. So the guy had a fairly good, strong track record academically and experience-wise. And to all intents and purposes, he did a great job at Transnet. And then he moves off to, which was well-run, started to become profitable, sorted out its very huge pension fund liability. So, so it actually proved itself. Went to ESCOM, got out of load shedding appeared to be running ESCOM very well. So on the face of it, Brian was was your kind of state-owned company hero. We want to model ourselves on Brian until what happens is undercover. <laughs> no one even knew what was going on. There was a whole there was a whole world of of, 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 of apparent corruption. And capture. So, <laughs> so therefore, I'm saying now, I also want to make another point which, which kind of argues against our South African experience with state controlled entities under the apartheid government. I'm, I'm led to believe, and I lived through it, that the state owned companies were terribly inefficient. And that includes the South African railways and harbors, which became Transnet and ESCOM. 
And the turnaround at ESCOM, way back, I can remember, I think it was the 70s or the, or the 80s, they brought in a private sector CEO. By the name, of, I think his name was Jaco Maria. He was the CEO of Barlow Rand, which was a very successful public company. Is it the same, is it the same Jaco that became the, um, the CEO of, of, of uh, Standard Bank? No, it's a different, different it's a different culture. one. Yeah, it's a different one. It's a, a similar name. It, it Johann, might have been Johann Maria, but he had come for as, as a proven, highly successful guy, like Jabu Mabuza is, in, in fact, and Sipo Maseko is at, at Telcom. So a lot depends on giving, yeah. your, getting a really good, effective CEO who can do the job and run the business. At the end of the day, uh, Nim, uh, is that anybody can perform if they are given room to exercise their duties that they've been appointed. Mm. Now, many of um, the failures that we have seen have, has been that people have not been given enough room to exercise their duties because um, many a times, if you look at the so-called capture now, mm. what has it been? Uh, you have uh, chief of procurement who's running his department very well, and then they make an assessment of tenders, then they close certain tenders that do not qualify out. Then what happens? There's a phone call that says, but you need to make sure this goes there and then. So what is that? That's interference, isn't mm. it? Because you, you, you have run your department well in estate institutions, you followed the protocols, and in terms of protocols, these people do not comply. So you kick them out. What then happens? So in essence, you have capable inter individuals in there. But what then happens is that they are not given room to perform because they close certain people out, uh, given that they do not qualify or they... they so this has got nothing to do with merit. It's absolutely. Got, it's got to do with the organizational culture, the environment, which, which you know, exactly find themselves in. Well... It, it works in the sense that, for instance, you have to, 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 if you have a capable CEO, he will tell you upfront, like Mabuza has done as a chair of Telcom, one of his conditions that's upset was that you leave me alone. You know, Maria Ramos that he speaks about, one of her conditions also from Treasury, he was, she was given about three years, I think, um, of, of total non-interference while she was negotiating uh, the turnaround. Isn't it? So there was room given to her to exercise her duties. So in many a times, we need to, to, to consider that fact that for people to be able to perform in these SOCs, they need to be given room. Yes, they need to be kept, kept accountable they, because obviously they, they are accountable to, to parliament. Uh, so all those um, institutions that monitor them must be allowed to, 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 to do their duties as well. But they must do their duties when they are required to do so. Half the time, people must then be able to give, be given space to do their operational and executive duties. So what is coming out from you, Justice, is more of a space to do what they... Yes. Okay. I, Eric? I, I, I'd like to pick up on another point, and that is, uh, uh, you know, how come... Uh, 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 we have a positive sign of Ben Ngobani at, at ESCOM resigning today 
and uh, Schlady being dismissed from SABC. Because what's happened, obviously, is the, the, the yeah. organs of accountability in Parliament yes. and, and, and the media have managed to exercise accountability over those state-owned companies. So Absolutely. If you, if, if the, the accountability um, and transparency, those concepts are, are, are cut across, whether it's privately held Absolutely. or publicly held. It doesn't held. matter. Yes. So, so I'm, I'm looking here, like I was speaking a bit earlier, is there that as well a light at the end of the tunnel, that maybe we've got a new process on the go right now that we can start getting in place full accountability. The organs of parliament are functioning, as we've spoken in the last couple of weeks. All the organs of democracy will start pumping now. Yeah. That, that Look, at you wanted to talk last week, I think, about Helen Ziller hmm. and the DA. I didn't follow that story very much, but I don't know. Have you got any comment on that and what it reflects in a different context about transparency, accountability, processes of governance. What, what were your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I haven't followed the story that, as much, but all I don't know is that um, whatever controversial issues that, 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 that she made and, and, and meant, to, uh, in, uh, meant to give the impression that she's brought the party into disrepute, um, she has apologized uh, for it and people are moving on. I think for me that's, 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 that's key mm. um, because um, Political organizations and, and, and corporate and state-owned entities, the rules of engagement are different, mm. and, and we can't draw parallel, even though uh, from a principal point of view, you can agree, mm. but operationally, uh, because we have political solutions in political organizations. Okay. You can't have a political solution in state-owned entities. You can't have a political solution in, in private sector. So, so we need to be very careful. Mm. I, I don't think that, yeah. that, that, uh, that analysis uh, makes sense yeah. in this context. Back to, to, to the mm. SABC, for mm. instance. Yeah. The, to underline the point I was making, um, the current interim board is able to function as they are because what? They were given the mandate to say, go clean up the rot, isn't it? Absolutely. So they are able to exercise that in a space. If that space was not given by now, for, from the first decision, there would have been <laughs> interference to say, you don't touch that guy. Well, That's what happens. Talk of no touching. Well, we have to go to the break. Um, we'll come back in a second. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Welcome back. It is now, um, you know, uh, uh, 15 minutes to 7 o'clock. It's amazing how time flies. Please weigh in. Our SMS line is 34519 and the Twitter is at high. Uh, uh, FM, and, and we are joined in studio by Eric Stillerman as well as Justice Ndaba. These are regular folks. But before we enter the break, the issue that we, 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 we're deliberating on, on, on is the extent to which we can elevate uh, telecom as a beacon of success because clearly we need a blueprint. Um, the SOE environment does not have a blueprint. We have all the processes in place, but the activation of the rules of engagements are flaunted day in, day out. Hence, we're talking of the state capture. So we, we now have seen that that the hybrid model um, uh, is beginning to give us a, a light in terms of future configuration of SAOE, SOEs uh, have to be reflective of that. Um, I, see, I see, Eric, you're nodding. Yeah, I'm just looking at the, some of the features of the, the results that, uh, uh, and, and, and the presentation that we made on, on, on telecom and they typical business, you know, criteria, critical enablers of the new operating model, performance culture, create a culture of performance grounded in 
setting up systems, processes to enable operations, create transparency on performance, place the right individuals in the right roles, empower individuals with the right training and support, relentless focus on driving down costs, all of those things. And yet, I personally once did a project uh, for SABC under uh, with Zuelaki Sisulu when he was the CEO. And uh, we came out with a turnaround model, which would have worked at that time quite easily. And the executive committee actually turned it down. The reason was we said it could operate like a business and it could make a profit. Uh, several hundred million rand if they got revenue up and drove costs down. And it was quite simple. You had to drive up revenue by 5 to 10%, bring down costs fractionally, and you could have had a profit. The Executive committee said, we don't want to make a profit. We're a public broadcaster. Our mandate is not to make money. Even under Schlady, 90% local content. Um, we want to transform the, the culture of the country and give people opportunity. We can always go to government for a bailout. So what you've got in state-owned entities is a non-performance bailout culture that prevails right now. Right now I think the last bailout for SABC was a billion rand. You know, so, yeah, when so, they are so, asking for the same pretty so, much. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 what is the culture, you know, that that's going to prevail and how do you ensure that it's not a handout culture and that it's a performance culture? But, but I think that's a very I, simplistic uh, yeah. analysis. I tell you why. Here's here's yes. here's the when you look at the mandate uh, the mandate of SOEs, half of the time it's they the are momentum. poorly, poorly defined because you have the, you've got a public policy component and you also have the commercial component. Mm. Yeah. And these um, components are almost running simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And this creates confusion both at the board level and also at an executive level because it's prescribed that you will, for an example, let's look at SABC, you will entertain, you will provide education. But you also have to You'll bring inform. in. You inform. We also bring resources from the commercial guys. See, the, the, the definition of the mandate, if it is not, because it creates room. Because when you look at private sector, it is very clear. Bottom line driven. There are no, you know, uh, um, issues around public policy uh, uh, driven or domain. You know, it is clear. This is what we are wanting. But in a state enterprise, it's different. That is why um, a person maybe, you know, it gives merit to your argument, uh, uh, Eric, in that, um, you know, the, 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 gray, uh, the grayness in the definition of the mandate uh, provides an opportunity for people to, to, to get your point where there's the non- I, I, I think if I'm sorry, Justice, I'll give you your chance now before <laughs> we run out of time. But that very confusion <coughs> creates that umbrella of opportunity for corruption and for non-performance. So if you're looking at telecom, at what is working there, there's no compromise here. You can see it. It's a performance model. And your role, yes, obviously as a performance-driven company, is to deliver effective telecommunication services. You run the national infrastructure and all of that. And you've got to be competitive and you've got to perform. But as soon as you take that away... And you say now you that organ of state public policy is dominant. It not only creates a space for non-performance and financial uh, uh, distress, which so many of them are in, but also for corruption. 
Because if there's no financial and performance accountability, then anyone can give contracts to anyone. That it's, it's like shrouded in a veil. So you've got to remove that confusion. And that's, you, you, you're at the heart of what is the value system. You know, can you have a compromise? Can you have those two and which has to actually be non-compromisable? Absolutely. Yeah. <coughs> Look, I, I hear what Eric is saying, but to a large extent, it is also unfair to paint everybody in the, with the same brush because if um, certainly from a strategy point of view, um, the tone is also set at the top. Like I was alluding to that when we are appointed a board chairperson or a CEO, you negotiate the terms that you, you as soon as you are appointed, you know, to, to, to your principles. And that will determine how you move forward. I mean, within state entities, for instance, there are government departments, and they're all not the same. If you look at an example of the GDE, which is the Gauteng Department of Education, you go there, you look at the systems they're putting in place. They are a replica of uh, a private, you know, there's mm -hmm. a certain... Um, uh, aura within, you know, performance culture is defined. You go there in their departments, in the agencies, they are well run, there's accountability, there are systems in place. So, but where is the tone set? It's, it's set at the top. So, why is that the case? Is as soon as the, the current MEC came into place, Obviously, he put together the structures and the systems that he wanted to put together. Then what we begin to see it in what? In the performance of the agencies under the department, in the performance of um, the, the, the staff in the, in, the, in the department. So when you go to GDE or GDE institutions now, you begin to see the change. So the tone was set from the leadership. So at the end of the day, it's also all about leadership mm -hmm. as well because you are able to then define um, how the entity is going to operate. Because the leader would be able to go and negotiate these issues of interference from that point of view as well that I was talking about. So you have these bacons of, 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 of centers of excellence, even within state institutions as well. You know, so we, we, perhaps we should caution... Uh, mm. General approach. The general approach, yeah. Well, l l let me give you credit there and acknowledge what you're saying. Rather take, I'm not so sure about Gauteng Department of Education, if that is our beacon, but if you take the other beacon that everyone agrees on, which is Treasury, okay? And Treasury would then be, as a government department, it's not a state-owned company, it's a government department, which has a very definite uh, uh, governmental uh, social developmental role, right? And it's also had a performance culture. And it's had in place great governance structures, great systems, great leadership, and it's been part of the backbone of the success of this country to date. Uh, uh, certainly, okay, now, of course, that's under threat. Okay. Uh, just yeah. up, let me give you an example. Of, mm. of, but but okay. before you go, I mean, just this. Um, I, I think... The, we, we, we need to, in as much as, you know, I, I really uh, appreciate what uh, Mabuza as well as uh, Sibeko are doing mm. at ESCOM because, Maseko. Um, at Maseko, mm. I beg your pardon, um, at Telcom, because this is something that can really give us a, a, a new model or a new blueprint 
um, you know, to get SOEs up and running. But until we, 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 we address the noises, because um, leadership in all these entities is characterized by external noises, and, and leadership is not cushioned against these disruptive noises because it's not like people don't know what to do. They know exactly, but they're getting instructions from elsewhere. Exactly the point. You know, mm. So we need to get to a point where, where we protect leadership because I can tell you now, most people who um, are, are, are executive in most of these instances are not literally enjoying and, and delivering optimally because they, they, there's always uh, being they're pulled from left, right, and center. You know, Because at what point are you going to do your real work because... You're accountable to, 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 to a plethora of people, mm. you know, and everybody wants your bit, you know. So until you, you eliminate the noises and empower people to say, look, you will not be account, accountable to this person, you know, and you'll get to that point. This is my view. That's the point I was making exactly, precisely the point. Which, which is, you want to repeat it. <laughs> the point is that the, the, you are able to provide space to the professionals to do what they are qualified to do. So if you are a shareholder, everybody stays in their lane. You know, if you want governance to be effective, governance should operate where everybody's role is defined, everybody stays in their lane, so the shareholder knows what the shareholder must do, they know when they can come in into the business, the board knows what they, are do they can do. They know when they can come into the business because we've had so many, so many fights. In the telecom example, you had the chairperson and the CEO able to, to operate very effectively together. But in other instances, what has happened? The chairperson and the CEO don't see eye to eye. The executive feels that the board is interfering with their uh, operational duties. So no people there do not stay in their lanes. Therefore, there's all this level of interference, and as a result, people are not able to do what they're supposed to do. I, I, I'd like to also just go back to a point I made before, which applies both in government and, and in private sector organizations, and that is the amount of transparency and accountability of information mm -hmm. uh, that people can then assess. Has there been independence? Has there been effective governance? Has there been effective performance? So that you've had that in, in Treasury. Why in Treasury as, as, a, as a matter of interest in government? Because every year there's a national budget. Mm -hmm. There's a midterm budget. The media get involved. There are they're, they're, they're copious reports published by the National Treasury. Everyone knows what the figures are. So you can assess them. You can see where we're going right, where we're going wrong. So in order to guarantee uh, justice, what you're talking about is that everybody is doing the job that they being designated to do. It helps to have effective transparency and accountability coming into that, both in government and the private sector. And here, in the case of telecom, you've got all the financial institutions. You've got an annual general meeting. You have published accounts. All the figures are there. You have mm. to have information to assist. Do you agree with that, Justice? I agree that in the state institution, the, the institutions are there as well. You have SCOPA, which is the uh, oversight body on public accounts. So these institutions are there, but we've had problems with the issues that I've mentioned because that has been the elephant in the room. We know what it is. Mm. So that now is an encouraging sign that Parliament itself has now held ESCOM to account 
and SABC to account. And that's, to me, the way forward. If these institutions that we have are functioning effectively, we might have some hope for the future. Talking of beyond governance, I mean, it's now uh, three minutes to seven o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps maybe wrapping up on these these critical issues. Yes. And, and my take home on 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 telecom is indeed uh, the 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 almost bringing to life all these principles around on governance. Mm. Uh, talk of participation. Mm. Talk of uh, the rule of law yes. and application of the rule of law. Talk of transparency. Talk of responsiveness. Mm. Talk of consensus orientation. Yes. Talk of equity. Talk of talk of um, effective and efficiency, and ultimately accountability. So these things are there, but they they, they manifest in action, mm. and they are the hard target. There's there's also a great accountability. So so for me, this is this is my take home. Uh, uh, and, and again, what what is also of interest, it is the the, the, the the hybrid model in terms of ownership, ownership structure. Mm. That perhaps maybe can begin to inform future uh, designs of the business model along the, the SOEs. Perhaps maybe we might just get it right. Well, I, like I said, my argument has been that there are centers of excellence because why uh, I say so is that if you take uh, metropolitans like the city of Egrulen is independently assessed by a rating agencies mm-hmm. and they have consistently acquired a, a rating of A plus, you know, which is Moody's and all of that. So independent of, 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 so as a state institution itself, it has managed to, 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 to exercise effective governance mm-hmm. because it has Pity that you cannot be rated above the country, but on on an independent level, they have been rated on A A plus for for quite a few years now. You know, as your, your, your last word, uh, Eric. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sad to leave on on a slightly <laughs> pessimistic <laughs> note because I'm very optimistic that we can get it right. But I'm sorry to say that all the banks, all five major banks yesterday, were downgraded. Mm based on the fact that even your best institutions can't be better than your country as a whole. So let's just hope that we move more rapidly in the right direction and get it right. We all have a stake and an interest in this. Absolutely. This is where we wrap it up. I mean, I think the part of the solution is that of inclusive growth. It has been an absolute (laughs) pleasure. And as always, it's nice to have you guys. Um, Until we meet again, good evening.